So, any questions? Let's go to questions. serve. If you have, you have not got a new assignment, you serve. And you do it with loyalty. You do it with humility. And watch God because he'll... If you do it with grumbling and complaining, then you're sabotaging yourself. But if you do it with actual humility and thanksgiving and from the heart that you started, God will honor it. And so you don't move and you don't do anything until he releases and then you still do it with honor and humility. There have been people that have really, really, really done my brother a disservice, denominations, groups. And he recently received a word that these different groups will come back and seek out your wisdom. And it's happening. But how he treated them when they disrespected and uh, really did a disservice, he went in humility and, and blessed them. And he was genuine about it. It wasn't a lip service thing. It was just a genuineness of heart. And went to build a bridge, but they decided it needed to be burned. And he did an Ichabod and wiped the dust off his feet and said, the glory is left. That's his younger brother's way of doing things. You can burn the bridge. I'm going to blow the <laughs> D-A-M-N thing up. <laughs> I help you. I help you help yourself. <laughs> that's why we got two different. That's why he is where he is, and he does what he does. If I was the pastor and I was born first at Bethel, it'd be a Baptist church. It wouldn't be doing what it's doing, and I would be in prison. So, <laughs> so God knows things and knows the how how. Order need, people need to be born. Because when my dad was pastor in the church, there was a man that came and pointed his finger at my dad and backed him into the wall and threatened him. And my brother, as a teenager, saw that and was amazed at my father's response. Now, if that would have been me, the finger would not be on that person anymore and it would be in a cavity somewhere. You know what I'm saying? So God in his infinite wisdom knows all things. And that's how you're supposed to do it. But I'm not put in that situation because I'm not mature enough yet. So God bless you. No, but serve. Serve with humility and ask God to give you the humility. Anyone else? One more question on this kind of stuff. Yes, darling. Can you yes. How it's done wrong. How it's done wrong is you say yes all the time. And you, you're not, you haven't made your convictions go to war, find out what's best for you, 
which there's many variables. It's not just your call, but it's your, your rest, it's your life, it's your exercise, it's your different things that are important to God. So you need to ask him, what is important to you about me? And he'll tell you. And so what happens is how you misuse it is everyone else becomes more important than what God thinks of you. And so then you're going to spend yourself and, and go before your time. And so you don't, you don't say yes to everything. You say yes to where the fire is, and then you do it. Okay? Yes, one more, and then baby, come up. Um, and uh, how did you come up in serving? And maybe you don't experience this, but uh, how did you put to death like, alternative, alternative motives? The motives, like if I serve here, I'll move up here. How did you put that to death? Huh? What? Well, it, it does, it doesn't to me because I came from a different era and I, I, I didn't have that belief of stepping stones. Um, I understand where it's very apparent in society today and it's not something that the church has brought on, it's just how it is. Um, and so you just have to do checks and balances with the Holy Spirit and if... If you feel there's a wrong motive, David gives you a great verse. He says, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. That's Sozo 101 back in the Psalms. So your prayer is, search me, know my heart. Is there something out of whack here? And the Holy Spirit will highlight something. You don't go into it second guessing, but if you feel weird or slimed on or something's different, then you go, what's going on, Holy Spirit? And you do a sozo to yourself, or you have someone do sozo to you and see, I'm feeling slimed on, I'm feeling something here. And then you get that motive taken care of, and then you do it with humility. And so don't go in second guessing, but if you feel something on you, then take time, search me, oh God, know my heart, try me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's something going on in me, but lead me in that everlasting way. Does that make sense? Okay, any other questions for all y'all, for my wife and I? <clears throat> That floor went down, huh? So I will encourage you guys. We actually don't do this very often. We don't give people the ability to ask questions. We don't give this kind of an access. Um, And so we were... That doesn't mean we'll answer every question either. No, but we're inviting you to pull on us. And so if we know the answer, we'll give it. But if you have anything, like, please pull on us. That's what we're here for. That's why we came. We want to serve. We want to... Yes. That's a lot of questions. In yeah, one. I think that I, I hear two really distinct questions. So I'm going to answer the first one, and then I'll let Bob run with the second. 
Um, our heart for the spirit of adoption, um, really for me, adoption, family always looked like a whole bunch of kids from a whole bunch of walks of life. Uh, and so our yes to the call to the orphan looks like adoption. Obviously, we've now broadened that to much more things that we're doing and involved in. But when I was three years old, I threw away all my white babies and told my mom that I didn't want any white babies because I wanted all different races of babies. And that's just what family looked like. Even though I didn't, I didn't grow up with friends that were adopted or exposed to it, it's just what family looked like for me. So from the time I was three years old, I knew I wanted to adopt. And when I heard the statistic that 34% of the body of Christ considers adoption, but only 1% actually do it, I just, I did not want to be that statistic. And we were two failed adoptions, $40,000 lost that we never were going to get back in. And we had a decision, like we could keep moving forward and trying to make it happen and, or we could quit or we could just rest in the Lord and trust his timing. And we chose option three and Ellie's adoption, it's the, to this day, it's the greatest miracle I've ever witnessed. And I've seen completely wide eyes come back. I mean, it's just phenomenal, the miracle of, of her adoption and how it all happened. And, and it's too long of a story to tell right now, but it's just, it was a miracle. And so, and then when we adopted her, it's like God unlocked a piece of our heart and filled it with love that we didn't know existed was how Bob described it. It's just such a beautiful truth. And so our heart is not, I don't believe that everyone is called to actually adopt, but I believe everyone is called to have some role in the call to the orphan or the widow, or ideally both. And so that yes can be taking dinner once a month to a foster family in your local community. Um, that yes can be offering to do two hours a week of housekeeping or or coming over and, and, you know, washing all the sheets on all the bedding in somebody's house. It's very, very simple to say yes in the call to the orphan. And if you aren't the one that are actually bringing in the kids, then you can serve those that are. I think we had, kind of have a mindset that the typical is you're going to sponsor a child or you're going to adopt or do foster care, and those are kind of the only areas. But there's so many other abilities to say yes. So for the, our heart for adoption and the spirit of adoption, that's what it looks like. It looks like God's commissioning the body of Christ to take ownership over their backyard, to take ownership over the kids in their backyard, and take ownership over their communities and the kids of the nations. So that's answer one. Answer two, as far as people operating out of an orphan spirit, this is Bob's wheelhouse. He's phenomenal at this. Um, the reason people do that, and I know, I know some pretty awesome Crazy anointed. anointed men and women of God that operate from an orphaned heart. And my heart for them is to really understand who daddy is because once, once that is there, there's not, there's not that need to control. There's not that need to up the ante. There's not the need to compete. Um, that doesn't take away from their anointing because um, they're anointed and leading great movements. Um, but they are also leaving a lot of carnage along the way because they haven't truly embraced uh, a father. And they, most of the time it's because physically they didn't have a father. And so even though they have become maybe a father to many people, they themselves haven't fully embraced it. And, and, and want to, but just don't know how, and continue to go back to that safe place 
of control and not necessarily manipulation because that's borderline witchcraft, but control in that um, I can't let this get out of hand because then, um, you know, I, I need to have my hands and all this kind of stuff. And so it's a real difficult. The, the more anointed you get, the harder it is to see it. Um, but it's very obvious. I'm a son, and, and so because I'm a son, I know my sonship. I'm also an amazing daddy. And so it's very easy for me to spot an orphan, whether he's on Wall Street, whether he's in the pulpit, whether he's on the street itself. And so my heart goes out, and that's one of the things that we're called to do is to bring, to get rid of, to uh, eliminate the orphan spirit. Satan, the only thing really that Satan tempted Jesus on was his sonship. It wasn't on the protection. It wasn't on the bread. It wasn't even on dominion, even though that was the subtleties. Everyone except uh, the two of the three, he started the temptation, if you are the Son of God, then. Yeah. So he was coming against Jesus' sonship. And that's his venue for all of us here. That's what his venue is for the planet, is to make this an orphan planet. And so my job is not to judge the orphan. My job is to pray. And if I get to be a bridge in bringing daddy's heart to them, then so be it. If I'm just there to be a prayer support and to declare those things that are not as though they are, then that's what I'll do. But most of the time, if you have issue with a minister or something like that, you need to step back and rethink um, why is that has become, a, do I have an orphan spirit? Am I catching something of their orphan spirit or, or, or whatever? And so it's really check, check yourself and be a part of the solution, a part of the answer. And if you don't have a relationship, like, I'm, I have friends that operate in an orphan spirit, but I don't have the voice to speak to that yet. So until, or if I never have the voice, I'm going to pray and declare what I see in that person and encourage and indirectly encourage that that I see, but hasn't made, um, it hasn't been made practical to them yet. So I'm kind of skirting the issue, but I'm trying to do it without directly incriminating those. Does that make sense? Are you following me? Yes? Okay. Yes, in the back. Well, we don't rescue the... Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to... It depends. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. No, I answered the last one. Okay. It totally depends. Statistically right now, 60% go back. Um, it's just not, the statistics on it are not good. And the truth is, is trafficking has really infiltrated every piece of our society. I mean, in Reading alone, there's 26 massage parlors that are operating as brothels. So um, it's just, it's a common thing. It happens in our backyard. I guarantee you it happens here. It happens everywhere. Um, and so right now we're, trying to get as best as possible resources to the current organizations that are pulling girls out of trafficking and get the rescue organizations resources to be able to really help them get to a place of complete healing because the amount of manipulation and everything that goes into it is pretty severe. So yeah, so statistically about 60% go back is kind of the global statistic. Um, but it, it all depends on where you are. I mean, 
Overseas, they do really great in community home housing. In the United States, the community home housing models for girls rescued from trafficking are just really poor. They're really expensive. It's three to 5,000 per month per girl. And, uh, and that's what it costs to run an entire home with multiple girls overseas. Um, and the girls overseas do great in communities, you know? I mean, they're used to living in a little hut with 12 people in it. That's common. Here, it's not. And so the girls here don't do as well in community housing, so they do better in family-style homes. So if they can get into a family and can get access to inner healing and the tools that they need, they, they end up doing great, and they end up, you know, being the ones that change the world. It's the, but it's a process. Yeah. The, the girls that I'm a part of that I rescue are... I work with organizations already boots on the ground in those countries. And so when we rescue them, they're taken into these places and trained and healed and job skills, job skills and different things. So we don't just rescue and get them out. We, if we're going to rescue them, we're going to get them in a place where they have a chance to change. So Yeah. Yeah. For us, it was a journey. It was a very long journey. I mean, like, for example, when we moved to Reading, we had a, our thought was, and like Bob said, we didn't have a really clear vision, but our thought was, was that we were going to develop a network of social justice organizations around the world. And that was kind of what our idea was. So sort of like what Global Legacy is a part of Bethel, and they oversee churches and help with trainings and all this. We kind of thought we were going to do something similar with justice organizations. So if there was a girl that was rescued from trafficking in Reno, we would have access to an attorney in Reno as well as a restoration home in Reno, and we could just kind of be a network for people. Well, and then as well as a local one. There was, there's no human, there was no human trafficking task force in our county when we moved in. And so we thought, well, that, we can answer that need here and then globally. And then it, we, we moved to Reading, and we're, Bob and I are both type A personalities, so we just, like, blew through it and got her done. And we bulldozed over a lot of people and hurt a lot of people completely unintentionally. But when you're a part of a congregation of 7,000 people, you don't know what everyone is doing. And so we just really upset people because they had been running in that space in Reading for three years without the same last name that we had. And so they didn't have the favor that we did. And so we were able to be given a position that really they had been working for three years to get. And so it kind of blew up in our face. And then we were spending some time. I went to Texas. Uh, we went to Texas. You were with me on that trip. And, and I was just spending some time with my family and I was like, well, maybe it could look a little bit like this. And within 24 hours, I got a first email that said, hey, I'm really wanting to run, one of the people that was on staff, I'm really wanting to run in the local justice space. So I'd really love to run with the local network. Less than 24 hours later, I got another email saying, hey, I would really love to run with the global space, not under our organization, like of their own thing. I would really love to run with the global and so it was like within 24 hours, everything that we were doing, there were two people in the body that were saying, hey, this is what we want to do. And so we just came straight back to square one, and we looked at it. And that organization now, it's called I Dignify. And what it, what it 
ended up becoming and what it's doing now is it's a training ground for people that have come that are wanting to work in aftercare with survivors of human trafficking. So we train the caregivers. And it works great. We train anywhere from 60 to 100 people a year. And, you know, it's, it's, it's doing what it does. Um, but we're not trying to grow it anymore. We recognize that, you know, this really... And then the process for us, the more we traveled with our kids, because our core value is family. It's just it's our core value, traveling the nations with our kids. It's a conviction, not a preference. And so because that was a conviction, trafficking was not a space that we could invite our kids into. And so those pieces brought us to this place of, you know, our heart really is for the orphan. And um, then we just had this Kairos moment encounter with the Lord in South Africa last year at this place called Live Village in South Africa, L-I-V, Live Village. And it just changed our life and wrecked us to say, oh my gosh, it's possible for the orphan to know what family looks like. And here's what it is. And so we came back and said, how can we do that here? And so the answer is it was a journey. It's a process. And you have to give yourself space for the process. So if you know what's exciting your heart, Man, find somebody to like serve in that space. Find a way to get involved in that space. And through that, you'll discover. The other thing, too, that's really important to know is a lot of times we go into a situation and we see things we would do differently, and we feel like we're judging that. We're going, oh, like, I have, do, I have, like is it, do I have a heart of judgment? Am I judging what's going on? And I remember this happened to me the first time we went to, to Africa with Heidi, and, and we were in Mozambique. And I told Bob, I'm like, I feel bad because like, there's, there's things that I would do differently. And I was like, so, I felt so, I was self, I was convicting myself because I felt like I was judging Heidi Baker. I mean, like, seriously. And Bob's like, Kimberly, it's the fact that God crafted you differently. It's, your mandate is not to spread churches all over the world and feed kids. That's her mandate. And she does it better than anyone. That's not our mandate. And so understand that if you go into to an organization or a situation, you say, hey, I would actually do this differently. You're coming in low. You're still serving. You're still honoring. You're still doing all those things. But it's because you were crafted to do it differently. So that's just something to be aware of. Yeah, good question. Good. Yeah, in the back. Uh, what is the Lord pulling fish go fishing now I would say because um, I'm a visionary I have throughout my life I've had many things and dreams and and <clears throat> it gets put in a stew big pot and ask the Holy Spirit to turn the heat up and so as he turns the heat up some things stay Lots of it disappears. And so, um, meanwhile, while the stew is cooking, to bring about the perfection, because God promised, he said, he said, I will perfect a work in you. I'm working to perfect that work in you until that day. And so he is working on that stew, that me, that person, to perfect it um, until the day that I see him. And so the meanwhile, what I have learned to do is, is love, love hard, and serve well. And so the two, the two things, 
Well, I guess there's really three things that I do. In Mark 10, 45, it said, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So three things that I do, no matter what, is I serve, I give, and I love. And so I look for places to do that. And as I do those three things for what I'm to bring change to, God will open up doors for me to bring change if I do those things well. And so even though um, it may not even relate at all to what I feel I am to bring to the kingdom, I, I personally can't be entrusted with that until I've done those well. That's me personally. And so you need to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you wanting me to do well and still pose, poise myself uh, for this time? Um, and then in due season, as I've been faithful in the small, he's going to give me, it's like the story of Joseph. When Joseph had the word of the Lord, he had two dreams. And both dreams, he went to his brother and said, you know, I, I had a dream and you all bowed down to me. No, he was a, a snot-nosed teenager telling his older brothers, that's not going to go over too good. Then he went to his dad and said, hey, I had two dreams. One dream, the brothers were bowing down. And the second dream, you and mom and the brothers were bowing down to me. Daddy didn't like that one either. But that was the word of the Lord for his future. Now, when he first gave that vision and that word, he was an arrogant, ignorant, punky little teenager. When the word came to fruition, it was years later, he had been sold into slavery. He ended up in a pit, was uh, sold to slavery, went, ended up in a palace. After the palace experience, he went back to prison. And then in prison, he was there, left forgotten until he finally got to the promise. And then when he got to the promise, because he had gone through hell and back several times, when the promise came to fruition and his brothers were bowing before him and didn't recognize him, he ran out of the room and wept because he couldn't stay in front of the brothers and hold it. And he wept and he wept and he wept and he came and he composed himself. So the difference being is at first when he had the word, he was an arrogant, ignorant, punky little teenager that didn't have the, the ability to carry out the word. But that's where God said, until that time of the word came to pass, the Lord tested him. Through the testing and the fire, um, he disappeared and God prevailed. And so the reaction was from arrogance to humility and weeping. And when he saw the brothers and the father and everyone kneel before him, then he ran the room and wept. And so that's my goal. My goal is to get to that place where I'm able to handle the anointing. And so until then, I'm going to learn to love well, serve well, and to give well, still dreaming and going toward what I believe he's called me to do. And so that's, that's how I'm, I work it. And I mean, if you say, my desire is to advance the kingdom, I mean, who really put that in your heart? Like, that's not something, that's not something you concocted. That was something, that's a fire that the Lord has ignited inside of you. And so don't miss the fact of you're already making an impact. On your daily life, you're already making an impact. I guarantee you, if you were able to have a glimpse into heaven and see the fruit of your life just thus far, you would be shocked and amazed at the impact you're making. If it's your desire that you're advancing the kingdom, I guarantee you you're advancing the kingdom. Period. Good. Anyone else? Yes, darling. Oh, so we keep... 
Sorry. <laughs> I am the one that has, it's my birthday. Oh, oh, you're right. Sorry, excuse me. We'll just look on both sides. I got uh, eight hours left to play this card. Yes, go ahead, Donna. Give me an example about all. Like, the Great Commission, the disciples of all nations, or to take care of the widows and the orphans. So I'm having a hard time determining what's okay to say no to without feeling like I'm being disobedient to what God tells all believers to do. Or is it supposed to be just a general mindset of just like the body says? As a church, some are going to live it out this way, some are going to live out that way. Great say, question. You've been saved a long time. You've been raised. <laughs> you have been raised in the church. Are you the middle child or firstborn? You're the youngest. Oh, that's unusual. <laughs> to have such inquiry. Good question. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Who was over here that won that question? There. See. I, here, here's how it works for me. Um, the Bible says true religion is to take care of widows and orphans, right? The Bible says faith without works is dead. The Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what we have done, especially as evangelists, is we have manipulated the church and and um, put blame on them because they're not going and making disciples of all nations. Making disciples is not something that I go and do. It's something that I am. By me loving people and exposing them to Jesus through me, they are getting exposed to the greater one. And by, through relationship, Jesus didn't make disciples by taking them through classes but we have honed it to a class. We have honed it to a set of classes. Jesus did discipleship through eating, fellowship, hanging Amen. out, drinking beer. He didn't drink beer, but he drank wine. Community. Community. He made disciples through relationship. And so what we've done is we put the cart before the horse. It's a good word. Like for holiness. We, we preach how to be holy. You can't be holy without being invaded by Jesus. Holiness is a result of going after Jesus. It's not a list of fruits that I follow. Fruit happens. Fruit happens because I'm so invaded by Jesus. I am. I have the joy. I am those things. Holiness is not something I attain. It's something I become because I am chasing after Jesus. So the same is true. We have these these ideologies that we have created in the church because it makes us feel better, like we're accomplishing something. That's why you need to read my book and get free. <laughs> get my book and get free. And making disciples is, if you love Jesus and love people, you're making disciples. That's what Jesus did. Um, if you... See someone that's hungry, you give them food, you take care of an orphan. You can't help, if you're, if you're just chasing after Jesus, you're going to do the things that are standard. 
because that's just what you do. It's an overflow, life. an outflow yeah. of who, who is inside of you. Right. So it's not a list, well, I got to do this and this and this. No, 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 it's not a list. You just do it. Right. You don't even think about it. Excellent it's just word. who you are. But the yeses are, God, what have you called me to do? How have you, it's like for us, for Reading, our mantle, our pillar is the orphan. Not healing, not the prophetic, not, not arts, not music. I'm going to be a part of all that stuff, but it's the orphan. That's our pillar. That's what we live for. That's what we breathe for. That's what we spend our money on. And so that's us. It took us a while to refine that um, through trials and, and failures and successes. But just go hard after Jesus. Love him. Worship him. Fall in love. And you'll see just things start happening all around you as an outflow. And then the other, the other yeses become easy. Does that make sense? So what we need to do is you need to get baptized out of religiosity. Not that you're religious, but I can see you have been versed well in the church, honey. Haven't you? Yeah, so we just wipe that off you in the name of Jesus, and I just declare freedom to you to be the Xena warrior that you are. In Jesus' name. It's good. The There's princess with the bow. Who? Okay, yeah. you over here. Yeah, right there. Yeah. called Holy Ghost Sneaky. Yeah. Holy, that's one of the gifts of the Holy Ghost. It's Holy Ghost Sneaky. And so, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you? This, this means yes. You feel <laughs> with the Holy Ghost. Have you asked the Holy Ghost to fill you? Then you are filled with the Holy Ghost because it says, if you ask, you shall receive. Then, do you walk in the church? Do you ever walk around in the church? Do you ever talk to people? You're leaking the Holy Ghost on them all the time. It's called Holy Ghost Sneaky. And so you don't have to stand up and go, That'll be offensive. But you can go, and then when you're talking to people, you go, man, I just appreciate you. You want to touch them. You're releasing Holy Ghost all over them. And you just touch them. And they don't know what's going on. They may fall out in the Holy Ghost, and they may not. But you're just touching them. You're, you're understanding that the Spirit of God resides in you, and it's not there to stay in camp. It's there to leak. And so when you're aware of that, you're just going to be, and then you're going to be a gold digger, not in the sense of, you know, <laughs> but a treasure hunter. You're going to look for gold in people, and you're going to bring it out, and you're going to say, in sneaky ways, you're not going to say, you know, the Lord showed me this last night in a dream. I saw you on a temple. No, you're not going to be religified. You're going to be sneaky. You're going to go, you know, I just, I just want to encourage you. You're such an amazing person, and your artistic ability is just inspiring. And they'll go, huh? And that's how Holy Ghost Sneaky gets in there. And so all you're going to do is you're going to, you're going to plow the ground through being loving 
and, and serving people, but understand just by you being there, Holy Ghost is being released. Yeah, and good. so by your smile, when you smile, I don't smile. I'm going to have surgery someday just to have a smile like you have. So I can. And when you smile, no, seriously, when you smile, the Holy Ghost leaks. That's good. And so I will have surgery someday, plastic surgery, just so I can smile we'll like your face. take a picture afterwards so you can have it. And so you're already leaking. You're already doing. Just continue to do more. But be aware of the presence leaving you. Just like when Jesus said, who touched me? They didn't touch him. They were crawling on him. But someone touched his robe with intent and healing virtue left. So be aware of the virtue and the healing and the anointing that's leaving you. And you're going to go, oh, there goes another one. Oh, that's good right there. You are. So, yeah. You see, all of us, just what's going to happen is your eyes are going to be open to stuff you're already doing you didn't know. And you're going, whoa, this is what's going on. I see. And so it, it's not going to be obnoxious, blatant belligerence. It's, uh, it's going to be sneaky, sneaky Holy Ghost. It's good. That's, that's the fun way to do it. Did, Two more questions. Yeah, run right here. And then back there. All right. No, never. You mean like the recordings? Do you know how hard it is to write a book? You know how many hours it takes to write a book? It's worse you than birthing a child. No. It is for real. Uh, I don't know. Do you got this stuff available? They're recording it. So the, so the sessions will be recorded. And, and then also, I, I thank you for the compliment, but I don't know. Books are in process. They're in process. But I did want to, if y'all are interested, in we do have a newsletter sign up at the back. I don't, I hope we have enough now that I'm actually making an announcement about it. I so forgot if to bring it. Did you really? I left it in the suitcase. Oh, that's bad. Lee's going to kick your bunnies. No. So if y'all want it, Lee's our PA. She's like, she's our taskmaster. We call her the vice principal because you know how the vice principal is the one that does all the discipline? <laughs> yeah. We're the principal. She's the vice principal. So maybe if we could just get some of the notepads. If y'all are interested in being, uh, getting our newsletter, we, just, we send out a newsletter average once a month. Sometimes it's once every two months or so. And it's just updates on what we're doing, what our ministry is doing, how and it's growing. Um, the Asia trip, you can also go to our website. It's bobandkimberly.com, and you can fill out the link. We are actually looking for strategic intercessors for our trip. We're just really we're, – we're – we're at a place where we're reaching, we're, we're coming to new levels, which is really great, but we're also recognizing the need for additional covering. So if that's on your heart at all, or you're just interested, it's a zero pressure thing, but you can go to our website, which is just bobandkimberly.com, and you can fill out any of the, the form on there, and then you can also, we'll get some notebooks at the back, and you can just, if you just write your email and your first and last name, then we can get you um, the newsletter that we send out. So this is taped, updated. and we are writing books. Yeah. 
And we try to send and out we like, sort you. of encouraging jo It's Joanna, right? Stuff. Yeah. Joanna? Joanne. Joanne. No, uh. Joanna. That's what I said, yeah. Joanna. I got it right. Yeah, you did. Come on. Come on from my memory. Come on, babe. Okay, there's, I see, we're back there. Yes. The Bearded Wonder. That ain't easy. It's, it's, it's all on the journey. When I started in ministry, I mean, I had my famous brother who wasn't famous yet, my dad, nine generations of preachers. So I knew what I was supposed to be, but I just didn't fit. He majored in counseling. Yeah, I majored in counseling in college. Yeah, like that's a real gift yeah. of mine. No. That Bill quit sending me counseling people because I kept, I said, are you... Do you read the word? No. I said, well, how stupid can you be and still breathe? Are you tithing? No. Well, then you're cursed, too. So read the word and tithe and come and see me. They never came back, so I thought I was doing so good. So I understand that because there is well-meaning people that want you to be something that you're not, and they'll put armor on you that is not you. And so all along in your discovery and your journey, there's going to be checks and balances, failures and successes, and that's how God's going to hone you. And then one day, you'll discover what your armor is. Mine's a G-string and a slingshot, baby. And so, that's just because i got to move quick. You know what I'm saying? I know some of you are visual right now, and you have to repent for what you just saw. And I apologize for giving you that frame of reference, but God covered by the blood. Oh, help him, Jesus. So, but it's the journey, and, and don't get caught up in the journey. Don't try to figure it all right now. There's joy in the journey. Learn. If, it's, if you're constipated, you can't just do things. There's no joy in it. Stop. Take a couple steps back and realign yourself. There's got to be joy in the discovery and the journey. Laugh a lot. Make yourself laugh. Get drunk in the Holy Ghost and laugh. Do something and laugh. But you'll discover it, and well many people will try to put things on you and you could try to wear it, but you know it's not going to fit, and so just smile. I, I take it off, and I say, no, thank I don't, in front of them, I'll just take that off, and say, right, Father, thank you, your fashion informing me to what the warrior I am. Yeah. And, but there's no easy, there's no easy answer. It's no quick fix. It's a journey, and God will hone you and just develop your armor, what exactly you need for the places that you go into, and, um, but the, the key is don't, don't try to figure it out. Just be obedient and know what doesn't work and smile and know what does work. And then you'll look back and go, oh, that's, okay, I got this. And that doesn't make very much sense, but it will eventually. Well, and what's, fun, what's interesting to me, too, is, like, I look back on our little 900-square-foot apartment in the Bay Area 
when we were, you know, we didn't really have a lot of direction with where our ministry was going, and, and we had just seen the ministry get kind of fizzled down into almost nothing, and, and we just didn't have a lot of direction. But, man, we made such great memories and so, like, just make memories. Because, like, I look back on that little apartment, and, man, I miss that thing. <laughs> like, I miss a lot about it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love our home now. It's great. It's beautiful. But, like, I look back on that little apartment and go, man, we sure had some fun times there. So there really, I totally agree with Bob. There is such joy, and there's fruit in the journey. Like, we, he, he's faithful to give you fruit along the way. He's faithful to show that you are making steps forward. He's, how many of y'all have had, like, a prayer journal, and you maybe didn't like always fill it out and then you look back and you realize oh my gosh like all these prayers that I forgot I prayed have been answered have y'all ever had that happen I've had that happen so many times then I have to repent because I didn't even like thank the Lord for it like and so so I would encourage you this is where the writing piece comes in like just recognize what how far you've come it's very easy for us you know it amazes me with our babies that our, and our babies, they've all been born early. So like Sadie, our little one, she was five, seven when she was born. So, I mean, she's like this big. And, and she's a year old now. And, and there wasn't a day where she woke up and I went, oh my gosh, like what happened? Like there, there was not a, a morning where she woke up and I recognized a notable, noticeable shift from the night before. But yet in 18 months, she's gone from this little bitty peanut that all she does is sleep and eat and poop to now she's like this she's turning into this little toddler who's learning how to walk and 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 so for us it's just we we miss the 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 massive strides that we're taking because we see ourselves every day and because we're living out our journey every day so laugh a lot don't take yourself serious and it'll come to you promise 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 yeah you got to get out of your head people mean well not a bad they way. have a destiny for you, but God has a better one. So don't take it personal when they try to do something. Just smile. And that's why you got to laugh a whole bunch. You just have to laugh, 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 laugh. Not in mockery, but in just laugh. Laugh. Do things that make you laugh. Laugh, laugh, laugh. Watch laugh. Chuck. <laughs> yeah, find a good series. That's our that favorite you love. show. <laughs> Amen. Okay, one more question. I lied. We'll do one more. That's it. That, we're done. Now, no one else ask anything. I'm saving up for it, 20 seconds of courage. My definition of courage is telling the pastor's wife she's going to be pregnant in a year to prove the congregation. My courage is believing that God gave me the dream to take the Komodo dragon off someone's chest. My, my courage is to wash the homeless man's feet for the first time when it's never, I've never heard of it before. My courage is, there's, there's moments of courage all along the way. There are ideas that God has given me, and I have to act on them. And it's that first act of doing it that it's like, are you sure? Am I sure? Is this? And then when I do it, and then all of a sudden the Father floods in with his love and grace and mercy and heaven shows up. It's like, oh, why would I ever doubt? So 20 seconds of courage is something special that's never been done, you've never heard of, and he's telling you to do it. It's like, oh, that's, that's what it looks like. But that brings you to the places the small, small steps of courage, small obedience brings you to those 20 seconds of courage. 
that you'll get to see things that you can only other people have talked about. And you get to talk about them. You're going, mm-hmm. Because you're faithful in the, with the trash and toilets and diapers. My answer would be surrender. Like that's what it looks like to me. Courage looks like surrender. Awesome. Well, you guys are awesome. Let me, let's pray over you. Father, I thank you for this awesome, hungry warriors. I release the blessing of the Lord upon them, their household, upon their families. And you said that you will accomplish all things that concern us. So I release that. I ask for angels of heaven and beings to be sent on their behalf to accomplish all of their dreams, all things that concern them, that the sky is the limit, that you perfect that work in them that you began in Jesus' name. Equip them, empower them, put a fire in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks, y'all.